Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Edit Your Life. I'm Christine Ko. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Today's topic is questioning the KonMari decluttering method. Yes, the KonMari method. This is the so-called, um, well, not so-called. It's called the KonMari method because it's detailed in Marie Kondo's very big blockbuster, blockbuster book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. So I read this book when, I think over the summer, and I immediately knew that we had to devote an episode to it because, uh, first of all, it's it covers so much of what Christine and I talk about, but also this book has just taken the world by storm. Um, so basically, it details the author's philosophy about organizing and decluttering, and it gives step-by-step instructions for how to declutter one's home. Um, the author, whose name is Marie Kondo, she's from Japan. She calls her steps the KonMari method, and she promises it will totally change your life if you follow it. And I mean, <laughs> thousands of people must agree with her because the book is just a massive uh, hit. And in fact, Time Magazine named her one of the 100 most influential people of 2015. Isn't that that's, incredible? That's incredible. That's really crazy. I, and and I, yet, I will say, we were, we were just talking before we started recording that when I initially put out um, like an ask about this topic, there were still people who had no idea what I was talking about. So yeah, that's right. why I'm glad we're talking about this today. I'm glad, too, because... You know, I have to admit, when someone uh, basically writes a book and says, this is you follow my steps and it will change your life. I'm immediately suspect mm -hmm. and sort of wary because, you know, I feel like sort of taking expert advice, hook, line and sinker has really burned me in the past. And it's taken me a long time to wean myself away from, you know, blindly following that advice. So I was not going to just fall in line and, uh, you know, be, oh, yeah, oh, this is so great because I just re I really wanted to see what it was about. So I don't know. I read it and I even though I resisted certain parts of it, I was also very intrigued by some of her points. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm excited to talk with you about it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I will say that I I just I tend maybe because I'm a little stubborn. I tend to resist if there's like a mega trend like this. <laughs> um, I totally am like, I'm not going to I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. But um, I'm going to be plain and just stay, say right out the gate that um, 
I'm going to say something that I can probably only say because I'm Asian, <laughs> but my <laughs> initial reaction to the book was not super favorable. I, I felt like the perspective was just so rigid and prescriptive and strange. And you know us, I mean, we try, we, we really don't want to be prescriptive. We, you know, believe everybody's journey is their own. Um, there were nuggets that I did agree with, um, but then I definitely, there were things that I didn't agree with and I'm not kidding. I, I, kind of wonder whether my reaction was not wanting to be bossed around by another hard-headed Asian person. I mean, I've had mm. plenty of that in my life, including <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, you know, my perspective, well, we'll get into the, all the details, but it, it's funny. This is both a pro and not a con. It's, I was really um, fascinated by the author herself. Now the method, you know, the method is, is a method and everyone has their own method. So that was interesting. But what I found to be fascinating was how the author herself, she has such a deeply unusual connection to her to the objects in her home. Um, and she wrote about that. I mean, this is a person who speaks to her socks and thanks <laughs> them for giving her service. And this is an unusual thing to do. But on the other hand, it was also like a perfect example of somebody finding what works for them mm -hmm. and, and, and integrating into in, integrating it into their life. So I actually was sort of moved by that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, her method profoundly works for her. I didn't appreciate the fact that she said this, this method is the only method, but I did appreciate the fact that, you know, this was very deeply individual. And um, yeah, so I thought I found that interesting. Yeah. And, you know, the mixed feelings are not just reflective of our two data points, Asha. Um, <laughs> when I asked about the KonMari method on my Facebook page, there were a lot of responses and they were all over the map, including, as I said, people who were like, what are you what are you talking about? So I just wanted to read a few quotes to just reflect that because it was so fascinating to see all this come in. So here we go. Um, one comment was, OMG, just read it, just did three quarters of our home for real life changing. Another was that I found very fascinating was it's not the keep what you love that is life changing. It's essentially the William Morris quote, have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. It's the way she says it that gets you going. She's a lovely little dictator that Marie Kondo. <laughs> Another quote was at first I thought she was seriously crazy. And then I saw her vulnerability and her deep compassion for other people. Now I merely think she's a bit kooky and totally onto something great. Um, another was, I never made it past the bedroom, but it has helped me get so many things under control and lose the attachment to so many objects. I don't follow her exact methodology. I prefer room by room, even though she recommends against it, but it also has influenced my purchasing behavior. I'm always asking myself if something sparks joy and it's easier for me to let go of it if it doesn't. Um, Another one is I'm halfway through the process and I have to say I'm totally hooked. I love the folding and how my shirts are like files in a drawer. And I thought I knew what I had, but in actuality, there was a lot of stuff hiding in my closet. But don't take my word for it. Ask my five-year-old. He was so excited that he could open his drawer and just find what he wanted. And then the last one, which um, is probably most representative of all the responses, um, was it sort of worked for me, kind of, not really. <laughs> so as you can see, all <laughs> over the map. Yeah, all over the map. But I mean, I guess what jumps out to me is just that people are definitely happier with less stuff and stuff that's, you know, stuff that's not overwhelming them. And that this is a deeply emotional process. And 
So I don't know the whole notion of editing your life. It really is powerful. And anyway, let's let's get into it. I, I really want to talk about Marie Kondo's method a little bit more. And again, what sort of what we responded to and what we didn't like so much. Yes, yes. And just quickly before we uh, jump into that, um, I just wanted to make a little ask, a little housekeeping, um, to invite you, sweet listeners, that if you haven't already, to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. We publish, if you haven't um, notice the pattern. We publish every Thursday. Um, all you need to do is launch your favorite podcast app and search for Edit Your Life Show, and then, or just Edit Your Life if you'd like to type less, and then click subscri- subscribe. It's super easy. Okay, so let's get going, Asha. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. All right. Sounds good. So the first part of the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, is called Why Can't I Keep My House in Order? Now, this is a question I've often asked myself. (laughs) So anyway, in this section, this beginning, this is really all about context. And she sets the stage for her method. And she makes some really big promises about how it's going to change your life. And so immediately I was like, "Mm, but okay, I'm going to, you know, open my mind and listen. Um, What I did find interesting was she was in this section. She pushes back against many of the accepted givens about decluttering, such as, find, you know, you should find the decluttering method that works for you. She doesn't agree. You should do a little at a time. Absolutely not, according to Marie. And um, 
she also um, is not okay with progress, not perfection. She actually says perfection is what you should aim for. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, I mean, basically at first blush, her approach is the exact opposite of ours. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's why my initial reaction wasn't so favorable. I think the, it just seemed awfully ironic that um, she says, quote, follow your intuition and all will be well. But this is a very rigorously prescriptive method. Yeah, no, that's very true. I mean, I completely resisted her mind is the right way language. But on the other hand, I also appreciated that she was offering a very clear cut path to follow. Mm. I, I think uh, so many people you know, have responded to that because they just can't get past the overwhelm and they need someone to grab their hand and sort of lead them through, at least through that initial phase um, when you're sort of staring at all your stuff going, I don't even know where to begin. You know, agreed. I mean, when we were talking offline about this episode, you had mentioned the idea to me about people really needing those hard and fast directives. And so then it was funny to receive that comment I mentioned earlier about um, the effectiveness of the dictator approach. You know, <laughs> I know. Lovely little dictator. I actually really did love that quote because um, I, I do remember feeling that way. I mean, there was something strangely comforting about somebody saying, you know, you think you know how to declutter, but you don't. Uh, let me just tell you what to do. And it was just sort of like, ah, oh, okay, I'll just give her the responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, it did feel good. Um, I'm not sure if it felt good just though, like as an initial um, little moment or if it felt good deeply because I was too busy resisting. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I but I did keep reading. So, I, I mean, I think the other the other thing I actually really have a problem with is her insistence on decluttering everything all at once and doing it perfectly. I mean, she actually says the words aim for perfection. And I just don't think that's realistic for working families. I also think it's a setup for failure. I mean, I appreciate the importance of commitment and focus. I mean, it's not like, you know, we it's so easy to get sidetracked when you're decluttering. I think I'm I'm famous for this, you know, like, oh, look at this photo. And oh, yeah, remember this trip that we, you know, but uh, I, I just think there needs to be some flexibility. Mm -hmm. I really do. So important. I know. Can we talk? Look, I need to talk a bit more about that quote and just kind okay. of vent for a second. So she so regarding the, the approach of don't aim for perfection or um, start off slowly and discard just one item each day. Yeah. Um, she says. What lovely words to ease the hearts of those who lack the confidence in their ability to tidy. And I actually got kind of angry when I read that. I mean, is it just me? I mean, I part of it, I think, I mean, we all have our That's... own things that we'll bring to this. But for me, the journey of letting go of perfection was huge and it has improved my life enormously. Well, and I think the other thing is <laughs> uh Part of why I lacked confidence um, in many areas of my life was because I completely let go of listening to my own inner voice and I just sort of laid it all at the feet of experts. And I, so I actually, now that you reread that quote, it sort of bugs me too. Like it makes me, I think it's misleading and I think it's condescending. And I actually think it might even be a little damaging. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, hmm. Anyway. She clearly just, just doesn't have the same perspective on that we do. And um, so I wouldn't go there. But um, yeah, no, you're right. That's that's not that's not cool. <laughs> that's yeah. not cool to me. But, you know, the thing the thing we do talk about that we agree with her on is, you know, later she in the intro, she says um, a quote like, um, oh, I have it written down here. 
people cannot change their habits without first changing their way of thinking. And, you know, that's one huge thing about our book and our podcast is we try to approach both the big picture thinking, you know, that will facilitate lasting change as well as the practical tactics to get there. So, yes, indeed. And I think um, another one of the quotes that you read that talked about um, how she revealed her vulnerability and her sort of deep compassion I actually did feel that later in the book, too. And um, she really does. It's not just about her method for how to, you know, systematically go through your stuff. It's how to think about things and how to think about your life in relation to things. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. So, you know, I I'm willing to sort of give her a pass on some of her you know, some of her language around this, maybe who knows, some of it might be a translation issue. This was originally a book in Japanese, yes. um, you know. But her notion that one needs to change one's thinking and orient it toward yourself as opposed to your stuff, that completely resonates for, mm-hmm. for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's get to the tactics. You, uh, um, so listeners, we're moving through kind of the, the parts of the book. It's split mm-hmm. up into five, I think. So um, that would, that's all the intro set up. So, Asha, why don't you kick us off on part two? All right. Sounds good. So um, so. While we weren't totally convinced about the book setup, um, the tactics actually, I think things got a lot more interesting. Part two is called finish discarding first. And the basic idea is don't organize your clutter, get rid of the clutter and then organize what's left. And I'm totally on board with that. Agreed. Agreed about discarding ruthlessly. I mean, you've talked for a long time about the declutter first, then organize. And, um, you know, she Kondo talks about how putting things away creates the illusion that the clutter problem has been solved. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I do think there's some middle ground. So for example, I believe in storing things. I really like having things in closets or behind doors, but what I'm working on is only storing things in a way so I can actually see everything in there. It's not like, you know, the problem I think is the jamming crap into the closet where it's layers and layers of crap. So you can't see what's there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I do. I, I'm a huge fan. And actually, yesterday, I could not believe it. I, I didn't tweet it or anything, um, but I was home with Vi and she's four years old. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, she said, Mom, can you help me clean out my cabinet? Oh, man. <laughs> and I, I, I seriously, this is a kid who really likes to hold on to stuff. I mean, she's four. Like, that's what four year olds yeah. do. But I said, okay, I'm going to get a trash bag and a recycling bag, and then we'll just get rid of stuff. And she she was ruthless. She did not. That's I, that's actually one difference between her and Laurel. Like Laurel's very sentimental, and Vi's not. So she was had no problem getting rid of stuff. And now her cabinet with all her craft stuff and everything, she she can actually see everything in there. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. Oh, I wonder. I, I would love to know what the thought process of a four of this particular four year old Vi, what her thought <laughs> process was. Well, she was looking for something specific, and I think she was really frustrated uh, that she could not even see anything in there. So, uh well, um, you know, that's it's you know, it's really funny. (laughs) The other big point of part two of the book is how to identify clutter. How do you know if it's clutter? mm. You know, if you're holding this thing in your hand and according to Marie Kondo, it's by answering the question, does this spark joy? Mm -hmm. Now, this is a huge theme running through all of our work, the podcast minimalist parenting. Um, that's the whole point, really. Uh, does this object spark joy or I mean, or is it useful? I mean, I'm not saying your vacuum cleaner is going to spark joy, right? Uh, but you probably need to have a vacuum cleaner. So I think in this case, joy is, you know, 
joy, but it's also what's truly useful to you. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, this bump to Marie for this gem. Oh, totally. The sparking joy. I think that's that's something that um, people have has been very useful to people, especially when they're acquiring new stuff. You know, do I really mm-hmm. need an well, this is a bad example. I was going to say, do I really need another minimalist gold necklace? Um, so that's not a good example for me since I just ordered some. But um <laughs> But they spark joy. But they do spark. They actually, yes, they do spark joy. But I think it is looping back to that William Morris quote about things that are useful or beautiful. And in the in our book, we talk about um, the litmus test being the would I replace it if I lost lost my house in a fire kind of thing. Right. Um. So, and I I wanted to mention that because um the useful side because a friend pointed me to an article which we'll link up at the show notes that shared. Um, an experience of getting rid of everything in her closet that didn't bring her joy. And quite literally, she was left with nothing because she didn't spare the basics. And then she was miserable because she literally <laughs> had like no underwear to wear. <laughs> so, oh, no. Not everybody I, has a joyful relationship with their socks, apparently. So, oh, well, I, I feel joyful when I wear underwear. I do feel jo- I appreciate underwear, too. I'm a fan. <laughs> oh, no. oh, boy. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I do think that's the crux of of. The point here is that, you know, what's valuable to you is not necessarily what's valuable to me. And, you know, to give Marie Kondo some credit, I do think that's what she was talking about when she was talking when she was saying to follow your intuition. Mm -hmm. She was saying that, um, you know, your decisions about what is what creates joy and what's useful are going to be different than mine. And so I think in that way, that's where she's encouraging people to get in touch with themselves. Yes. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay, Marie, we'll, we'll, we'll give you that one. <laughs> um, it's like um, a boxing match. Okay. Round no, one, round two. No, I, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. You know I, me, I'm kidding. I know. I know. And you know, the thing is like, we don't, we don't mean to disrespect her. I think she's, she's really said something, but I think it also is, it's important to push back when some, you know, on these sort of expert missives, it's, mm-hmm. it's good to be sort of positively critical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like the scientific method. You have to you have to ev- evaluate all the angles, you know, exactly. Yeah. A review by the peers. Exactly. All right. So um, shall we move on to part three yeah, of the book? Let's do it. OK. Um, part three is called tidying by category works like magic. And her method involves completely organizing each category of item in your home or life before moving on. And the categories are like this. You start with your clothes. You move on to your books and then papers and then miscellaneous, mm-hmm. which which I actually found sort of funny. But it, it sort of made sense when you read um, when you read the book. And miscellaneous, by the way, includes sentimental items, which she says leave for last, which I thought was actually good advice. Yeah, they do. They do hang you up in your process. Yes, indeed. And you sort of it's almost like you need the. Uh, momentum and confidence from earlier, easier organizing and discarding to sort of tackle those sentimental items. Yeah. So I, you know, I kind of have, um, I mean, I think this is fine. For me, this is not really an issue because I don't have, like, I, I actually, you know me, I like clothes, but I'm pretty minimal with my stuff. So I don't have stuff in storage. I just have what's in my closet and that's what I have. So it's not like I have clothes and books and lots of things in different locations. So for me, this, you know, wasn't a big deal, but um, I, and I personally like the satisfaction of knocking off by location. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'm kind of mixed on it. Yeah. 
I, you know, it actually worked for me. Um, the idea worked for me. It's not like I've gone through the entire method myself, but the tidying by category made sense. Um, not because I have clothes all over the house, because I seriously don't. But my mind just tends to work better when I stick to a category. Mm -hmm. Like if I sort of have clothes in my head, you know, my clothes, my kids clothes, you know, and all of that kind of stuff, I can really stay focused. But if I'm in my room and I'm, you know, decluttering my clothes, but then I find a purse in my closet and then I open the purse and there's some old things in the purse and I dump out the purse. I I'm just like immediately distracted. And then I, I just get off track. So I, I actually find that to be pretty useful. Um, I will say she had this rule for um, sorting papers and I might have cheered because her sorting papers rule of thumb is discard everything. Oh my gosh. I'm so like, into that. I, I totally want, I'm going to over the, I, I yeah, I'm going to have a paper discarding party very soon. <laughs> I think we need to have an entire episode about paper management. Don't you think? I would love that. I would okay. actually love that because, you know, right. Th just last night I was asking John, we were up playing upstairs in the playroom with the kids and there's, that's part of the area up there has become our like, um, storage of credit card receipts and all this like, crap that i'm kind of like can we like, just why? can i just put that through the shredder like, yeah why do we have this and yet paper is so scary I, at least it is for me okay we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get there discuss this. we'll discuss this sometime um okay so all right tidying by category uh you know like we're on we're on both sides of the mm -hmm. coin there part four it was pretty straightforward um part four of the book is called storing things to make your life shine it was it was really you know pretty basic stuff. She gave tons of practical tips mm -hmm. on how to store your stuff. And uh, much of it actually, you know, sort of went in the direction of what you just experienced where, you know, when you can see all your stuff, it is like transformative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Not overdoing it on the storage items. And I, I kind of, I thought it was really cute how into her shoe boxes. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's like a lot of airtime devoted to like shoebox as, a, as yeah. an organizational tool. It was cute. So uh -huh. that, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, storage containers. Uh, you know, I think everyone's had a field day at, you know, either the dollar store or the container store, however much you decide you want to spend on containers. And it, it really is, <laughs> it, it's it's a trap because you buy containers and think, oh, this is going to make me organize it, organized. But actually, you have to organize before you buy the containers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And frankly, you don't have to buy any containers at all because, mm -hmm. yeah, shoeboxes. So I think, yeah, I don't even think we need to talk about that very much because pretty straightforward yeah. stuff. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. 
I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. So part five, very interesting. This, this is the concluding section, right? The concluding section. This is what this this is the life changing part. The magic of tidying dramatically transforms your life is the title of this part. I love this section because she was really talking about the effects of what happens in your life after your home is tidy and you're maintaining this tidiness. Um, she talked about, you know, just how, you know, you feel sort of less anxious and freer and more open. Um, but then she even went as far as talking about how, you know, you might lose weight, you know, body clutter, mm -hmm. you might become more wealthy. And this really felt far-fetched to me. I mean, I, she actually made some decent points, but it really was sort of like, you know, I don't think decluttering is the answer to every single thing in your <laughs> life. And I don't know. I mean, I can really attest to increased confidence and lowered anxiety, but I don't know. I think I'm going to still eat cookies and brownies, <laughs> even if my house is not cluttered. Let's let's be honest. They spark joy. They do. Oh, man. They you know, the making Christine's of them sparks joy people? and the eating of them sparks joy. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and I just well, anyway, I want to hear what did you think about this? Section? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, the one quote that stood out for me in this section was she says, quote, letting go is even more important than adding end quote. And she's talking quite literally about letting go of clutter, I think. But what it made me think of was the wrestling with abundance concept we talk about in minimalist parenting. So, yeah. you know, life right now, just it's really all about letting go, whether it's when we're talking about it anyway, whether it's physical tethers or emotional tethers, you know, and letting go of that stuff so you can enjoy what's in front of you. So mm -hmm. I was kind of just envisioning that quote in the way that I like to think of it with you. And to me, that really makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's actually quite profound. Um, and I agree with you. I agree with you. It is it is it's empowering. And it's also it sort of gives you some measure of humility, too, strangely. Um, so she concludes the book with, I don't know if she actually concludes it with this quote, but it was sort of this point. Your real life begins after you put your house in order. I, I might agree with that in a metaphorical sense, but in a literal sense, I totally disagree. I feel like your life is happening whether your house is cluttered or not. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, your life is happening during this process and it has value and beauty no matter how messy your house is. I mean, honestly, yes. like yes. it's not like it's not like a decluttered and organized house is somehow, you know, 
Eden or a panacea for happiness and perfection. I just, I mean, I do believe that simplifying and decluttering correlate with happiness. Christine and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't believe that, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's either or. I just don't. I I agree. And actually I have a question for you because I'm not really remembering it and I don't know if you remember it, but does she address in the book at all, like rebound factor? Because I I remember in the beginning of the book, she talked about something about um, how like the rate of acquisition. And I think she was referring to herself personally that, you know, she could acquire things at a faster rate than she could get rid of things or some of her Mm -hmm. clients experiencing Mm -hmm. that. So what, Mm -hmm. what I didn't, and maybe perhaps I should have probed further with the people who responded to my Facebook um, ask, but I'm curious about the rebound factor. Like do when you do this method and maybe listeners, you can email us and let let us know and, you know, tell us what worked for you. But um, after you do this mega purge, then what happens with your acquisition? I mean, maybe you're um, evaluating things more with the SparkJoy litmus test, um, or then maybe you find yourself filling up the empty space. I don't know. Did she address this at all directly? She, she did address this. I mean, I think she just addressed this from the perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, of, well, you know, now your mind is different and now you know mm. what sparks joy and, and you're not going to do that anymore. Mm. And I think she might have even address this, but only briefly, you know, what to do when you're doing this in a family system. Let's just remember that probably not everybody in your family will have read the life-changing magic of tidying up. And for example, what if your spouse doesn't have the same approach Mm -hmm. to decluttering that you do? I know that for Rail and me, we, I mean, he's actually the declutter king and I'm the one who has the piles of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking at my desk right now at the various piles of things around my microphone. And <laughs> I'm not saying it's great, but it, we have different styles and I think you have to respect that. And, you know, sort of like going top to bottom through your house without conferring with the people who live in the house. I think that's, that's tricky. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think you have to confer with your kids, but I do think that, you know, including them in the process is a really, it's super important. I mean, you just talked about that with Vi. She has, you've included her. And so that's why she's learning herself. Well, and I will say that um, normally, I I would say a few years ago, maybe because I was wrestling with Laurel's sentimental nature around getting rid of stuff, I might have recommended at one point, like, yeah, just do it while they're not home. (laughs) But now I really feel like, the experience with Vi was very helpful because she was actually looking for a specific thing, a frozen bracelet, <laughs> and we <laughs> found it. And had it just been me, I would have thrown that thing away and yeah. didn't realize that and maybe not thrown a bunch of the other stuff away that she said was, you know, she didn't care about anymore, or didn't need or didn't work. And on the flip side of that, what I did end up working through with Laurel was helping her become more sort of, um, you know, philanthropically minded. Like this is we used the stuffed animals and the toy, you know, toys and things like that as a way to give forward to others. And that was a really good lesson for her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think, I think you are right. It's a family system as so many things are. And I think you have to be okay with the fact that your, some of your family may not be on board. You have to just deal with your stuff first. <laughs> totally. That so again, like totally metaphorical, you have to deal with your stuff first. <laughs> Deal with your issues, man. Yeah, totally. And um, I just, I totally have to respond to something you just said. I know we're at the end of our podcast, but I still have to respond. I have so much I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, When you said you would have thrown away that bracelet, had you come across it yourself because you didn't realize how much it meant to Vi, Mm -hmm. this has been huge in our family. Um, And so it's, 
my kids find certain things valuable. They have internal lives. They sit in their room and they play with their stuff or they mm-hmm. look at their stuff. I, I'm not there. I don't know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. how do I know what matters to them and what doesn't? When I just go in and sort of wholesale get rid of what looks like trash to me, I seriously might be getting rid of a treasure. And oh, so yeah. <laughs> it's a it's very delicate. And I think it's disrespectful, you know, yeah. at least in uh, in in my family. I mean, I'm only speaking personally here. I, I know that my kids have felt disrespected and even, um, you know, really sort of wounded when we not only threw their stuff away, but said, boy, that's that stuff's crap. Why do you even want to <laughs> hang out to it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, this no, is that doesn't work. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It is it is disrespectful. And I'm I'm actually just oh, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I'm going to do it because, hey, that's what this is all about. Right. It's us living and breathing this together with people. So in a fit of decluttering, this was like, a, I don't know, within the last year, like I was going bonkers. I went bonkers upstairs in the loft and decluttered a bunch of John stuff, which it, it is now now I'm thinking, man, if somebody went through my office and just threw a bunch of my stuff away, I'd be pissed. Right. But I actually, he was up there and looking in the trash and he's like, why is this cloth in the trash? And I was like, oh, I thought that was junk. And it was some, it was a a gift somebody had given him and it had like kind of a sacred meaning to it. Oh no. And I was just, I was mortified and I'm like, okay, never again. I'm never again touching your stuff because I just <laughs> threw away like a sacred something or other. Like I felt horrible. Right, right. But at least you had the wherewithal to sort of be horrified and realize. <laughs> I um, I might not have made that realization with some of my husband's stuff some number of years ago. We still talk about it. <laughs> the sacred socks are they are they getting you down? I'm getting I'm real socks get, for Christmas. I'm not even no, for Hanukkah. I'm not even detail because it will seriously like mess with certain people's privacy if I do. But yeah, um, no, it's it's really important. So anyway. Uh, that's oh, so fascinating. Oh my gosh. I really love talking with you about Marie Kondo's book. This I is, mean, this is fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. So, um, listeners, yeah, if you're interested in, um, oh, <laughs> I was going to go, I was just going to tell people about her book, but we should talk about your next edit before yeah, we do that. Go for it. Okay. Asha, what's your next edit? My next edit. It's all about the sparking joy. So I would say find one item in your house that sparks joy whatever that means to you, and either use it, like take it out of the closet or the cabinet or whatever you're storing it for, use it, or put it in a place where you can see it. Mm-hmm. It's my next edit. Good. And yours? And mine is, though it is against the condo grain, I'd like to challenge you to declutter one contained high traffic area. So like tackle that dreaded kitchen junk drawer, for example, and feel that effect. I just did this recently, and it has been fantastic. I can actually find the pens when I need the pens. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it, it it has brought me joy, just that little tweak. I sometimes think we keep kitchen junk drawers just so we can organize them and feel good about ourselves. Yeah. Because it is, it's a great feeling. So um, fabulous. So listeners, again, we've been talking about Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. We include the link to that book in our show notes uh, for this episode. Yes, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Just go into your favorite podcast app and search for Edit Your Life and hit subscribe. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. 
Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're aiming more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts.